Are you ready for the end of the world? This is your community spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of family, circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is your community spirits on your community radio, WDBX 91.1 FM. And my name is Tree Song. And we have a special guest here in the studio. If you could introduce yourself. Yeah, um, my name is Mona Gartman. I'm with Big Brothers Big Sisters of Southern Illinois. Yeah, so thank you. And thank you for coming in today. Thank you. So is there an event you'd like to tell us about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Big Brothers Big Sisters, we are we're a donor-driven organization, and we like to have fun rec- er, earning money for our program. Um, and so tomorrow night, we're actually having a trivia night. Um, it's going to be at the Harley Davidson or the Black Diamond Harley Davidson Warehouse in Marion. Um, doors open at 6:30, and play begins at seven o'clock. And it's going to be a really, really good time. Lots of games, prizes, all types of fun stuff. Yeah, so. that sounds really fun. I've been to trivia nights before, and it's it's a fun way to get together with some friends and have a good time yeah. while also supporting a good cause. Yeah, flex your brain muscle a little bit. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about the Boys and Girls Club too? Uh, yeah. Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Oh, sorry. No. Big Brothers, Big Sisters. We get confused often, and I take it as an honor because we're both great programs, so we'll roll with it. Um, Big Brothers, Big Sisters is a one-to-one mentoring organization. We take caring adult volunteers from our community, and we match them with children who could use a friend. Um, Through our mentoring program, we're evidence-based, so we know that there are very specific things um, that can occur for a child. Um, They're great benefits. They can reduce risky behaviors. They can increase positive assets in their life. Um, And they can also do better in school. Um, And that's through the one-to-one mentoring. So we just ask our, we call them bigs, our mentors. Um, Bigs spend about an hour a week, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less with their little. Um, And it's just a consistent, solid friendship that builds off of the quality of time spent together, not the quantity of stuff that you know, you collect in your life. Um, so we're really just sharing good experiences. And through those good experiences, we're allowing children to grow, expand their horizons, and allow them to um, stop focusing solely on their today and start really looking for their tomorrow and building a good future. Yeah, that sounds like a really good program. I can Thank think you. of people in my life who have been mentors to me and just yeah. spontaneously. So yeah. the opportunity to provide that for a child is really very important. Yeah, it's um, we're, we take it as an honor to be able to provide the service to our area. Um, you know, I, I can think of when I was a kid, I had people just like you did, I'm sure, um, that were important to me. And sometimes the children that we're working with, they may not have that opportunity to naturally find that. Um, so, you know, we're also a way for that to happen in kids' lives. Oh, good. So can you tell us again where the event is and when and how to get more information? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the event is going to be the Big Brothers Big Sisters Trivia Night. It's going to be held at the Harley da- or Black Diamond Harley-Davidson Warehouse in Marion. Um, it's actually on Black Diamond Drive. So if you're very familiar with where the um, Black Diamond store is, it's kind of behind it um, between the store and the Asian Bistro. There's a road. Um, that'll take you back to the warehouse. Um, the door opens at 6.30. Play begins at 7 o'clock. Um, it's $150 per table, and you can have up to eight people at your table. 
Um, and there'll be extra games and other fun things to do. And if anyone's interested and you would like to check us out, you can go to our website, www.bbbsofsi.org, and you can check out our events and you can reserve a table. Or if you just want to give me a phone call, I'd be happy to chat. Um, and everyone can reach me at 855-608-3560, extension 7931. Oh, yeah, and it's tomorrow, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I get so nervous on the radio. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, thank yeah. you. The event's tomorrow. <laughs> yes, it's coming up tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. About 20 bucks a person. 18.75 to be exact. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, well, thank you for being on the air with us. All right, thank you. All right, so now we can get into some of our other news and happenings for the day. I actually happen to be a big, like, I've been... I'm, you know, fat, but I'm also a big brother for a little. So yeah. he's nine years old, and we get to go. Well, um, yesterday he he likes cars, and so yesterday, um, I I picked him up, and we went and tried to get my truck started because it wouldn't start <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. So he spent a few few minutes doing that. So yeah. got to teach about automotives then too. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. Um, it's. I've always wanted to do it and always said, I don't think I have the time to do it. Mm. Um, the dedication to, you know, do an hour a week. And now I look forward to spending, you know, an hour is too short. Usually <laughs> yeah. we do like two or three hours. So, yeah. Well, that's um, good. It's, I think that's like a lot of ways you can help others too. It's at first, before you do it, it may seem like, oh, it's going to take a lot of time, a lot of responsibility. But then once you're actually doing it, you realize it's fun. Yeah. And so same with trivia night. I, I always said, I don't know stuff. And then I, I've done like three trivia nights so far and I um, still don't know stuff, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, and almost everybody has at least some area where they know a little trivia and you yep. just have to hope the right questions come up. Yeah. Actually, the, one round, I was the only one who knew the answer to one round and it was <laughs> some very obscure like fact about the Department of Energy in like the 50s and I just <laughs> remembered it for some reason. Yeah. So, um. Again, the Big Brothers Big Sisters trivia night is tomorrow night, and it costs you know less than twenty bucks to go have fun and raise money for kids. So. Yeah, good times. This, do we really want to talk about <laughs> bad things now that we talked about kids? <laughs> yeah, well, we got to keep <laughs> got to keep the we kids had, in mind when we, we think of climate policy. <laughs> the Southwest may have entered a drier climate state. Yeah. Not in their mind. <laughs> not a state of <laughs> mind. Not a like, yeah. Not the state of mind, but the actual Southwest. The Southwest is already the most arid part of the U.S. Now, new research indicates it's becoming even drier as wet weather patterns, quite literally, dry up. The change could herald a par- pattern shift and raises the specter of mega drought in the region. Quote, we see a very intense trend in the Southwest. Andreas Prenn, a postdoctoral researcher at the National Center for Atmospheric Research, said, quote, The Southwest might have already have drifted into a drier climate state. End quote. Prenn, who led the research published on Thursday, and we, we, we stay on top <laughs> of stuff. Yeah. In how do we stay on top of this, though? In geophysical research letters, 
Good thing they probably reposted this somewhere else because yeah. we would have never caught that one. Yeah, I will confess I'm not sitting around <laughs> leading, reading geophysical research letters. But <laughs> so the research published looked at weather patterns rather than average trends in precipitation. The team identified 12 major patterns, only three which are favorable for rain in the southwest. In an anonymous, an anonymous, an <laughs> ominous, um, <laughs> ominous. I have to, you have to say it like that. Yeah. Ominous, ominous, an anonymous, ominous voice. Finding okay <laughs> for the where am I? Okay, for the region, they found that over the past thirty years, these three rainy patterns are becoming less frequent. And the rains and the mountain snow that come with it are drying up. There's mountains in this. Well, I guess there is. The Smoky Mountains. What am I thinking? <laughs> yeah. Less rain and mountain snow in an already dry region is a recipe for severe drought. I mean, you were thinking, you know, some kind of other recipe <laughs> that was tasty. Yeah. There's an 80% chance the region could face a mega drought lasting, lasting decades as the climate warns, according to research published last year. The new findings reinforce just how serious that threat is. Quote, Nowadays, the droughts are not the same as 30 years ago. They can be more intense and last longer than we would expect 30 years ago. So, Yeah. I mega mean, drought has always sounded like some sort of supervillain to me. Mega drought attacks the like, southwest. It's just like... <laughs> His superpowers are fueled by climate change. <laughs> I think you have just written a comic. Yeah, I think I have. It's if like anyone, now you have to, if you figure out how to draw, then you could yeah, make the comic. Yeah, if anyone would like to do the artwork, they can email <laughs> info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Just like yeah. mega drought. Yeah. Well, that's why it's important to study climate because, you know, it's if you're just looking at the particular year, you may say, oh, we're having a really big drought year. That's strange. But then you realize all of these factors causing the mega droughts and the well, whole climate is shifting. But also... You could look at it if you just looked at how much rain you got for that area. Yeah. You, you could be getting the same amount of rain, except instead of it raining, you know, for a couple days, an inch here and a couple days, an inch there, it rains all at once and then it doesn't rain for a couple months. Yeah. So you're still getting the same amount of rain. So. Yeah, I saw a presentation about that, actually, a local presentation, because you have to measure the intense precipitation events. You can't just look at the averages. Because like, like you said, you know, there's a difference between getting a little bit of rain every day versus one day all of the rain <laughs> and the rest of the year drought. Right. That would be extreme. And that's what they're getting there, except without the day of rain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bipolar weather. That's, I mean, we really should quit saying climate change. We should literally call it bipolar weather, as in schizo weather. Yeah, well, that's, I, I don't want to do that to mental illness stigma, you know. <laughs> I think we could call it, we need a good term for it, but I don't think that's the one. No, not bipolar like the brain, but it's all mm. over the world. Two poles, yeah, the North Pole and the South Pole. <laughs> you know, but it has double meaning, so, yeah. But, I mean, it is, I mean, it's extreme, you know, I mean. Extreme climate, it's like extreme sports, <laughs> Extreme climate. That sounds fun. Will you get water this year? Will you not? <laughs> it's like the Hunger Games for the entire world. All right, so another news. This one's not a very happy one either. The Climate Games. The climate brought games. to you by Monsanto and BP Oil. They did do the Climate Games a little bit in Paris. Uh, the, the activists were doing the Climate Games where they do protests, you know, spontaneously demonstrating at climate sites. So, so they're whatever... Um, 
I forget, Zone 1. Yeah, Zone 1, Zone 2, all that. <laughs> We're 11 out here or something. Yeah. Whatever from the Hunger Games. I forget what. Yeah, just district. We're, we're District 11 or something way out here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So in other news, there may soon be more plastic in the oceans than fish. Well, we can just eat plastic. Yeah, have your plastic and eat it too. We just have to train the plastic to do all the work of a fish. <laughs> yeah. Get some bioengineered plastics out there that act like fish. <laughs> that's, you know, that's basically what we've accepted that, you know, we're just going to solve all our problems by, you know, some s- fancy scientific fix. So yeah. let's do it. Yeah. Instead of just stopping throwing plastic in the ocean, <laughs> we'll have to come up with that. Well, most people don't throw the plastic in the ocean. They throw it on the street and then it washes into the gutter and then from the gutter it washes into the creek and then from the creek it washes like i was on uh living lands and waters barge when i was installing the solar on it yeah and when we were going through the locks it was amazed me how many pieces of plastic mostly different balls but also millions of cigarette butts because they float yeah were just at each one of the locks where they and then they would open the lock to you know let the boats through to mm-hmm. raise and lower the water yeah, but it would just they'd be all the stuff floating there, and so you know, eventually a lot of that floats down to the ocean and disappears. We never see it again. <laughs> yeah, except then, there's an island of it. There's an island now, and there's no such places away as we're discovering. <laughs> so the study, uh, so they're saying by 2050, plastic will outweigh fish. And this, how, stu- how do they weigh it? <laughs> like, the, how do they weigh the fish and the plastic if it's floating in the yeah. ocean? You gotta chain the fish really well to hold still and pick them up on a scale. <laughs> There's a lot of complex math involved, I'm sure. So the study was in collaboration with the World Economic Forum. They found that 32 percent of plastic packaging escapes waste collection systems. Whoa, that's a lot. 32 percent, and it's eventually deposited into the oceans. That really makes me pause to think, because you know I try to minimize plastic packaging, but I do sometimes get it. And so 32% of what I'm doing there, that's ending up in the ocean. You personally. Me personally, <laughs> yeah. Like See, I Way try to feel to, guilty. Yeah, I try to personalize it because if you just say, oh, everybody's putting plastic, that's not very personal. But when I think about the fact that I am putting plastic in the ocean. And besides, I mean, you throw it away, that means it goes away. You know? <laughs> so, I mean. Yeah, out of sight, out of mind. Until we mention it on the radio. So, you're welcome. <laughs> <It's> like- <laughs> That percentage is actually expected to increase in the coming years, given that the fastest growth in plastic production is expected <clears throat> to occur in, quote, high leakage markets. That's an actual market, high leakage markets, developing country where sanitation systems are often unreliable. The data used in the report comes from a review of more than 200 studies and interviews with 180 experts. Like an example was when I was in Cuba, it was very interesting. I was walking down the street on trash day and basically they had uh, like a five gallon bucket out on the street and none of them were more than like a third full and most of it was compost. Yeah. Like basically anything they got, they reused. And I never saw a plastic cup the whole time I was there. Hmm. Like I went to like a really high end bar and they didn't give us, you know, plastic cups. You know, you get a drink in a plastic cup at a bar. Yeah. Nope, we didn't get it. Well, we, I, got, we got... Yeah. So. Here in Carbonale, we see a lot of plastic cups, yeah. the little red cups that they have at parties. But, uh, yeah, this is another one of the things about this that blew my mind. The uh, 
Scientists considered 186 seabird species and predicted that 90% of these birds uh, consume plastic. So that means 90% of 186 major seabird species have been eating plastic. And that has probably contributed to the decline of two-thirds in their population since 1950. Wow. So food for thought. I mean, they don't eat it on purpose. Yeah. But, I mean, like, a plastic bag breaks down into smaller pieces of plastic. And they might... You know, scoop up some algae or some little fish and and get the piece of plastic with it. Yeah, and they might even think it's algae if you know it's been by algae and it's small. You know, um, I forget. I was actually on a beach and I was like, "Wow, it has these beautiful rocks and stuff." And then I look closely and it was all little bits of plastic that <laughs> had been rolled into little balls from the ocean going back and forth. Yeah, and so it was like this really colorful beach of different little balls of plastic. Yeah. It's like the plastic beach. So there, there's a lot going on in the oceans, but it looks like in this story, people are fighting back against it. The fight against offshore drilling that's unifying towns along the East Coast. Emily Swearingen has only been the mayor of Cure Beach for a few years. She's been sworn in. Yeah. <laughs> Swearingen <laughs> has been sworn in. They've been swearing her in for the past few months. I'm sure no one's ever made fun of her name before. (laughs) She's already helped her town make history. Yeah. In January, Cure Beach, it's like pure, but with a K, a teeny coastal Carolina community of brightly colored beach houses that's home to about about 2,000 year-round residents became the 100th town on the East Coast to pass a resolution against offshore drilling and seismic testing in the Atlantic Ocean. For Swearingen, whose campaign for mayor was centered around her opposition to oil and gas development off the coast, the city council's unanimous vote was a victory for the town and the people who are worried about the impacts a major spill could have on their homes and businesses. That's interesting. Her campaign was actually around doing this. Yeah. That doesn't make me, you know, think of what someone would run. You know, my campaign is to stop. Yeah, usually if they do something good like that, they have to kind of slip it in. Like, I'm running for these other reasons, and I'll do good things for the environment. Yeah. (laughs) But she campaigned on it. But, I mean, her quote here says, Our economy is tourism. That is the only industry on Kerr Beach. We can't afford to put that in jeopardy. Yeah. While Kerr Beach's vote adds to the growing descent of coastal towns across the southeast, it only goes so far. Swearingen can't actually outlaw drilling off the coast of her town. She'll have to rely on state leaders and ultimately on federal officials to say no to the plan. Then I think if you're more than, what, how many miles off the coast, it's international waters? And yeah. there's no laws? There's no laws. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> I, I mean, mean different, different countries like make those laws further out, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, obviously, that'd be negotiations if it's going to affect another country. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of lawless out there. And that's far from assured in a state that's taken a sharp anti-environmental turn in recent years and whose governor and U.S. senators staunchly support drilling. Yeah. But to say that 100 towns have said that they're against it is a political statement. Yeah. You know. There's a lot of political will demonstrated there. All right, here's some good news. Solar panel costs set to fall 10% a year. Well, I mean, it says set to fall. <laughs> Yeah. It already has been. Yeah. I mean, it has been for a long time. It's fall, fallen, what, about 60%. I think some of them are closer to 70% in the last six years. 
Mm. You know, and then I mean, just this year there's going to be a glut on the market because manufacturing had been ramped up in anticipation of the federal tax credit expiring at the end of the year. Yeah, and it got extended. Surprisingly, <laughs> it got slipped in. Yeah, it slipped in. So. Yeah. Like they do sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah, solar co- power costs are tumbling so fast, the technology is likely to fast outstrip the mainstream energy forecast. Is it tumbling at the speed of light? <laughs> Could be. It's solar, so that would make sense. This is the conclusion of Oxford University researchers based on a new forecasting model published in Research Policy. Now, this isn't anything entirely new, like you were saying. Since the 1980s, panels... To generate electricity from sunshine have gotten 10% cheaper each year, and that is likely to continue. The well, st- I mean, if it's 10% cheaper each year from 1980, shouldn't they be free? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> yeah. Well, but I mean, in 1980, they were $100 a watt, and now they're like $3 a watt. So, yeah. I mean. So that's a huge difference. Yeah, just like. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, they're saying that's, they're, they're setting the, mo- to me, modest goal of 20% of goal solar energy. 20% of global energy needs being met by solar by 2027. That's, that's a, a very lot of solar. specific date, though. Yeah. They, so there's some math really involved. 10 years. Yeah. So 10 years, because, you know, it takes time to actually install the solar, as I'm sure you know. So by contrast, even in its high renewable scenario, the International Energy Agency assumes solar panels will generate just 16% by 2050. I hope we're not that low by 2050. I mean... In the year 202050, <laughs> the International Aid Energy Agency is no longer ruled by nukes and coal. Yeah. <laughs> its widely cited future energy scenarios in previous years failed to predict solar's rapid growth. Yeah. Everybody failed to predict. You know, people yeah. said that it, everybody should be <laughs> doing solar, but like how much it's been going in. Yeah, even a lot of the solar people, you know. But it's just been booming. And um, so this booming is not the right word. That's yeah. the oil. That's a good, yeah. yeah it's like the right. blowing up stuff. <laughs> it's been quietly absorbing the sun and growing <laughs> like a flower. <laughs> it's just like it's been quietly growing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, that's where it's surprising people. I'm trying to think of good metaphors then. I don't know, like honeysuckle, something that rapidly grows just <laughs> and takes over whole areas. But that's a negative for our It's area. growing like a sunshine. Yeah. It's walking on <laughs> or, sunshine. What is it? Um, a the, wh- I forgot when the sun comes up in the morning. Sunrise. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's growing like a sunrise. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get to some of these holidays. Friday is National Weatherman's Day. Otherwise Pro- known as the day you only have to be 30% correct. <laughs> Just like- so probably Weather Person's Day would be my guess here. That's a very gendered name. So Saturday is Eat Ice Cream for Breakfast Day. Oh, that's, wait, that's wait, a good day. Well, it's actually the first Saturday of every month. Yeah. Or maybe, no, just this month. Or maybe just every <laughs> Saturday if you want to celebrate it. It's just like every morning. It's it's known as cereal with milk, but frozen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you just put the milk on there and then wait like five minutes and it's soft serve and then put your cereal on it. So There you go. Saturday is also lame duck day. Yeah. And coming up on Sunday... Yeah, I don't know if you've heard about this or not, but uh, the Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday. I'm sure no one has mentioned this to you in your travels. <laughs> well, there's the Super Bowl, like drinking the eating soup. Yeah. You know about that day? Yeah, there is. That one, I missed that in the happenings. I'm glad you remembered it. It's the, it's the day of um, eating soup 
for charity, right? Yeah. So, so there, there's actually local events where you go to local grocery stores and other stores, and they're going to have donations they're collecting for Good Samaritan, and it's they do that every year. It's a good way to uh, have fun and support a good cause on Super Bowl weekend. I wonder how many of these holidays are actually made by Hallmark, because mm-hmm. send a card to a friend day, definitely <laughs> made by Hallmark. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah it's like... Um, I highly recommend a website called um, Post Crossing. What it is is you sign up, and for every postcard you send, you receive one from a random person. And so I've received uh, postcards from, and then it's it's you you register those postcards on the website because you have to say you received one for them to spit out another address. Yeah, and so you can actually see how many miles. And so far, I, I want to say in the like two months I've done it, my postcards have traveled over 30,000 miles because, you know, they've gone to Russia and uh, Czechoslovakia and then I've received ones from, you know, I, so far I've received only one from the U.S., but it's been like um, Holland and Russia and um, I don't know. It's exciting. Yeah, it's like Czechoslovakia, having, yeah. It's ran, like having random pen pals. Yeah, because, I mean, um, you pretty much just send it once. I mean, you can say, you can send messages, um, you know, if you put your address on it, become pen pals. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, what so, What other day is today? Here's a scary one coming up. Clean out your computer day, second Monday of the month. Well, if you did it every month, it wouldn't be as scary. <laughs> so, Mardi Gras coming up on Tuesday. It's also toothache day. <laughs> Those might be related. I wonder about that. So Ash Wednesday is coming up and Umbrella Day. Now Thursdays don't cry over spilled milk day. If it was made into ice cream. <laughs> you wouldn't have to cry over it. And make a friend day. If you had sent that postcard. You'd have a friend by now. <laughs> like, so let's see. So yeah, we've got some happenings coming up. Laughter yoga. We mentioned that uh, I think last week, maybe the week before. They, I went to the laughter yoga session. It was really fun. They want to try to organize it on a regular basis, you know, once a month or something. So, uh, director at argyhouse.org. Send an email with your interest and availability. And it's a really good time. You get together. You do some exercises to help you get started laughing. And then a lot of it just becomes natural laughter anyway because you're around people who are doing silly little motions and pretending they're yelling at each other. It's fun. <laughs> Um, I did look up uh, Super Bowl of Caring. Um, it's actually on the Good Samaritan Ministries website. As everyone knows, Sunday is Super Bowl. <laughs> Super Bowl. Football fans all over the country will be ready with the dip in the hot wings. Saturday is also a special time for football in southern Illinois. This is when... Oh, this is actually a, uh, outdated because it says 2013. <laughs> Yeah, but, but you can it, you can just they've got a website here that says superbowl.org. It's s o u p e r b o w l.org. Yeah, and that's the national one. But it is coming up in numerous lo- locations here in southern Illinois too. But basically, I mean, every year the football team they go and they collect donations, you know, on Saturday, Super Bowl. Yeah, so. Super Bowl Saturday. While people are doing their shopping to get their Super Bowl Sunday stuff, 
the football players are there on Saturday to collect the donations and talk to people. So, you know, if you want a chance to hang out with local football players and I mean, in the past, they've been just in front of, you know, the different stores like, um, you know, most stores in town. Yeah. So you'll see them out there and they're not trying to, you know, hit you up for um, anything except. (laughs) Yeah. So if you see a bunch of football players hanging out, they're not loitering. You can go approach them and make your donation to Super Bowl Sunday. And so they'll have a soup, a soup pot. Yeah. <laughs> they are collecting um, donations for Good Samaritan for their food pantry. So, yeah. Well, and so speaking of delicious things going on this weekend, there's the taste of chocolate. That's coming up tonight at 6 p.m. at the Carbondale Civic Center. Women's Center is announcing its 2016 Taste of Chocolate fundraising event. It includes a live and silent auction, 50-50 raffle, and a variety of sweet and savory chocolate tastings. Coming up at 6 p.m. tonight at the Carbondale Civic Center. I've been to that before. It's a really fun event. Uh, They've got all the chocolate and the auctioning and all the people who are supporting the Women's Center. And Women's Center does really good work. You can go to thewomenctr.org to learn more. And they have, did you remember to say chocolate? Oh, yes. They have chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) They have so much chocolate. I mean, the the savory chocolates are interesting, too. I mean, I couldn't have some of it because it wasn't vegetarian. But all the sweet chocolates were vegetarian. And uh, it was a really good time. I mean, usually there's, you know, over 400 people come and indulge. Yeah. And I I entered the silent auction and was able to get a Valentine's gift uh, for someone. So that was really fun. So on Saturday, which isn't the um, Peace Vigils now the first Saturday of each month? Yes. Peace and Justice Vigil, Saturday, February 6th. Wait a second. It's February? February. Where did January go? (laughs) February noon until 1 p.m. at the corner of Maine and Illinois. The monthly vigil for Peace and Justice sponsored by the Peace Coalition will be co-sponsored by Nonviolent Carbondale. The theme for the village will be the vigil will be compassion in recognition of the ongoing campaign to designate Carbondale as a compassionate city inspired by the Charter for Compassion, charterforcompassion.org if you want more information. Yes. We've got time for one more one or two more quick shout outs here. The Labyrinth Walk is also coming up on Sunday at 7:30 a.m. at the Labyrinth Peace Park. And Darwin Week is coming up next week at SIU campus. It starts on Tuesday, runs through Friday. There's a whole calendar of events on the SIU website. It's a good celebration of science. Science? What's that? <laughs> oh, it's, it's brought us a lot of knowledge for just about everything around us. <laughs> Since 2005, SIU's annual Darwin Week has honored the father of evolution. I actually had. So yeah, that'll be next week. Get yeah. a chance to learn your science. Check it out. The Get science. Botany of Desire on Tuesday. Then they're having a seminar and Darwin Art Week. Good deal. We'll see you again on the radio next week. In the meantime, enjoy the sun. It is making it so it's not bitter, bitter cold. Mm-hmm.